Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. We're starting by surprise. Scott has light shooting out of his eyes. I am your moderator, and with me this week is a esposo de la pastora, the non-Chilean vigilante, Dan Mars. Hello. Hello. Arriba. <laughs> Bostonian and esposo de la fotografa, Scott Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost said, almost said Bill Calvin. I don't know why. <laughs> Associate pastor, the man, the myth, the polo wearing legend, Bill yeah, Calvin. Yeah. Muffin man. Muffin Calvin. Welcome to a lightning round of the Bloomingdale Church podcast. We'll explain more in a minute, but until such a time as that, Bill, will you pray for us? Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We pray that you will fill us with your spirit for all that we have before us today, but also for this podcast, that we'd say something that's truly worthwhile for the listener. Amen. Amen. That prayer was too long, Bill. Get with the program. All right, you can edit it. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Scott, take it all away. Right. Well, in the name of lightning round, we're not doing Toastmasters today. Oh. We're going to do lightning round, would you rather. So what I have here is four cards. We're all going to answer each of the questions from one of the cards, excluding the ethics ones, because those ones get a little bit weird sometimes, uh, for a church podcast. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you in a row, Dan, your three questions, and Max, your three mm. questions, was, and so on. And I want you to give me your answer as quickly as you can without defending it. Mm. Are you ready? Was being a boy named Muffin an ethics question? No, it was a random. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Okay. Uh, would you rather to... De- uh, sorry. Would you rather try to defend yourself <laughs> from an attacking wild enraged bear while you are armed with only a good sword or with only a blowtorch? Only a blowtorch. All right. Oh. Would you rather be freed by the fire department after your hand got caught in the toilet bowl while dressed <laughs> or after your finger got caught in the shower head while naked? <laughs> Uh, hand in the toilet bowl. Whoa. And would you rather sleep on a hardwood floor every night or always drink three cups of coffee right before bed? <laughs> I always drink the coffee before bed. Why not? Wow. Hardwood floor. You probably get used to it. Wow. Yeah, All probably. right. Max, would you rather fall down and get picked up by your ears or your hair? <laughs> hair. Would you rather have a first date find in your car your stash of used Kleenex or your stash of used dental floss? Used Kleenex. Would you rather get a ticket for going one mile per hour over the speed limit or for driving too slow? Oh, it's just driving too slow, for sure. That's such a good story. <laughs> I'm so curious as to what these moral ones are. Uh, most of them are fine, but some of them are just a little bit strange. Fair enough. So I just figured I'd just cross them all out. I like it. Um, Bill, would you rather have a nosy neighbor or a noisy neighbor? Nosy. All right. Would you rather have one long, thick, furry eyebrow across your entire forehead or an inordinate <laughs> amount of ear and nose hair that cannot be removed? <laughs> I'll take the eyebrow. <laughs> And would you rather uh, cut your fingernails and toenails from now on only with your teeth or have your hair cut from now on only with a knife? I'll take the haircut with the knife. Ooh. All right. Let me read them to you, Scott. Fair enough. The green one is the ethics one, which is the third one down. Speaking of haircuts, Scott has an excellent haircut done by his very wife, Leah Reed. As does Max, done by my very wife, Leah Reed. <laughs> That's right. Scott, yeah, would you rather? I'm Dan and Bill. <laughs> My she wife cuts my hair. Yes, oh, I do, but perfect. <laughs> I'm due for one. <laughs> wow. No one, no one pays for haircuts here. Uh, would you rather, Scott, lose your ability to dream but never have nightmares again, obviously, or have colorful lucid dreams regularly but also occasionally a terrible nightmare? I think I'll just lose the ability to dream. As a man, have a bird swoop down and steal your toupee in a busy, crowded outdoor <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> or spend the entire day with fleas hopping around in your beard. 
I think I'd go with the toupee because I got a full head of hair under there. That's true. And what a great story, too. Oh, well, that's fair. Let's, let's say you needed a I'd toupee. I'd probably look better after the bird swooped down. What if your hair was exactly as it is, uh, but it was but, secretly a toupee, and you would just be left with the, like, the rectangle on the sides? I think I'd probably still go with that. I, I agree. Uh, save an original Michelangelo piece that's of art. one. Save an original Michelangelo. Oh, it is. Well, okay. You can ask it. That's an Save okay Save an one. original Michelangelo piece of art from a burning building or your child's beloved cat and her small kitten. Oh. I mean, I don't have a child, so I guess I'll go with Michelangelo. Here. But I think if I did have a child, I'd... Wait, it's her cat and the cat's kitten? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Michelangelo. That's, that's why we don't do the ethics ones. <laughs> Uh, and be an be an only child or have seven siblings. Um, I think at this point I would say have seven siblings. Mm, mm. Well done. At this point in my life. Thank you for would you rather, Scott, Bill. Give me a number between one Ooh. and one thousand and one. Five hundred and fifty-five. Five hundred and fifty-five. I like that. Uh, this, of course, comes to us from the book One Thousand and One Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Bible But Never Thought to Ask by who, Dan? J. Mickey Lang. J. Mickey Lang. The J, of course, stands for Jorgen. Portman. Uh, <laughs> Portmanteau of Josh and Morgan, uh, author of the complete book of Bible trivia with over 600,000 copies sold. Guys, if we did this every week, man, the show would be 15 minutes long. Uh, <laughs> hold on. All right. 555 mm. comes from the section history from papyrus to the present. Yay. The Jesus prayer. Uh, this ancient prayer goes, quote, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It is based on the prayer of the tax collector in mm. Luke 18.13. Uh, Bill, what is Luke 18.13? You mean recite the verse? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you? Well, it's the publican beating his chest and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Thank you. Mm -hmm. In the Middle Ages, the prayer was popular in monasteries as a guide to devotion. Some people would repeat the prayer endlessly and go into a trance-like state, which mm -hmm. is what I thought of because it reminds me of a conversation I had with a roommate junior year where we were talking about uh, music. We were talking about worship music and, and the critique that sometimes worship music is boring, right? Um, and his, his counterpoint was he was like, you know, worship music isn't there to excite you necessarily. It's there to... Um, to have you sing truth and to sing praise to God. And so, and so his current point was like, there are, were monks and there's one in particular whose name escapes me, but he, he's memorable. You've heard of him who that was like his thing was he would spend hours just repeating to himself, no matter what he was doing, he would repeat to himself, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Hmm. Um, so I want us to to weigh in on that, especially when it comes to like m you know mantras and repeating those kinds of things to ourselves. And like, is it okay that if I find worship music boring, or is that like you know, like what is your take on that, Scott? Obviously, you you work very closely. Was he the roommate that you talked to about this? Uh, no, okay. <laughs> we're not roommates. His junior. Year. That's okay. true. Um, um, would you mind repeating the question? I yeah, I guess I'm asking, is it a, like, because it's not an uncommon complaint for people to say, like, worship music is the same four or five chords. Worship music is uninteresting. That's true of most music. Worship. The chord thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and 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 sometimes you get the same thing with, with sermons, too. Like, if you're church shopping, then you're like, well, that sermon didn't really grab me, or I didn't learn anything new. When it comes to worship songs getting wrote, like, what... 
is that normal? Do we get like move on when they become, you know, boring or rote or, you know, how, how do we, right. I think that there's two, um, two sides to it. Uh, in the argument for moving on, as you just described it, you know, the Bible says in the Psalms, sing to the Lord a new song. Mm. Um, so there is an imperative to continue making kind of new music. And, and I also think there's real value because no individual song is going to fully encapsulate who God is, his character, his deeds, um, or our relationship to him. Like no song is going to have it all. So it's really valuable to bring in more songs and new songs that are going to... Um, that are going to kind of paint a fuller picture of who he is and of mm. and of his relationship to the church and his work in the world and all those things. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I think we need to remember that in our congregation or in our church services, there are people who are either not Christians or brand new to the church. Mm. And for them, I think it's important that we bring music that's going to um, make some kind of connection with them hmm. uh, because they're, you know, they don't have the maturity or the discipline or the experience to like look past and sometimes older Christians don't either to look past musical preferences. And so I think singing more contemporary styles is useful to them. And also on the other side, I think that uh, like your roommate said, um, you know, worship music is not to excite us, but it's for us to be worshiping God. And I think, I think we want to you, I mean, one of the great things about music is that it does engage our emotions in a way that just words don't on their own usually. Um, so like we want to be using our music intelligently and, and thoughtfully, but also um, I think to the point of like within an individual song, you know, repeating a phrase over and over and over. Um, I think it's really easy for us to say in the moment in our heads or after the fact, like, why do we say that same thing 15 times or 20 times? Like I was so, I was, I got so tired of saying it. It's like, well, what were you, what were you saying? Hmm. Well, we were saying like, you are good. And like, okay, you got tired of telling, of affirming God's goodness. Like, well, let's, let's count how many times in the Bible, like it affirms God's goodness. Right, okay. um, so I think that there's really, there's value also in this idea of, of sitting in an idea, uh, in a lyric and letting it just really permeate you. And in terms of, of the kind of music catalog and repertoire, I think also this requires intentionality, but as you get more and more familiar with a song, you don't have to think about how to sing it, or what the next notes are, or even what the next words are, um, you don't have to worry about any of those things because it's so familiar, and so you can instead really meditate on the words. Um, so I think there's value for both, in both, and I think you need both. Yeah. Now, Bill, you have a lot of experience meditating on on Scripture. Um, <laughs> is this the same kind of thing, having this repeating prayer over and over again in your head? Well, there's similarity. The repeating of the verse, I try to emphasize a different word each time I go through it. Mm. But you might have a word like the word you. It might show up three times in that verse. So you emphasize you all three times. Mm. It, it just gives you new insights into the scriptures when you're doing that. Do you ever get tired of hearing sermons on the same Bible passages or... Oh, yeah. Why? Like, why do we get tired of that? Probably because you feel like, I've already been there, done that. Hmm. It's okay if you're hearing new insights into the passage. But if it's 
the same thing that you've heard before, you, you can't help but start drifting off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that problem is unique to adults either. I think kids, <laughs> if they're like, oh, we're doing the story of Noah's Ark again, hmm. or they can mm-hmm. easily get, when it's presented in a way that for them isn't engaging. Hmm. So I actually started this with my own daughter. Like in the mornings, we'll read scripture and we'll talk about like, what did you notice there that you didn't notice before? What's something? Mm-hmm. And that's been kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she'll pull out something like, I didn't notice this about what Jesus was doing, or I'll come up with something that I hadn't noticed before. And that's been kind of been fun to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I would offer, as I was thinking about what Bill was saying and just, the idea of music and stuff, I would offer a challenge to all of us, which is this. When you come into a worship service, in that moment, you have no control over what's about to happen. Hmm. For the next weekend, you might have some control. You might have a lot of control. You might still have no control. But in the service that you're in, you have zero control. It's been planned. It's going to happen. And I would say if it's a song that you've heard a million times or that you don't like, or if it's a sermon that you seemingly have heard a million times, um, it's going to happen. You might as well engage with it because even if it's, um, even if it is insights that you've heard a million times or a song that you've heard a million times, it's based off of, and in the case of this, you know, the scripture, it is the word of God and it's based off of the person of God. And there's something there for you that you've not thought of before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you just, you know, if you allow yourself to be like, well, I've heard this before and disengage, or I don't like this song and disengage, you're going to miss it. Yeah. You're going to miss whatever God might have for you that day in that message that you've heard before mm-hmm. or in that song that you've heard before. Um, but if you deliberately say like, you know what, I've heard this before. I know, I kind of think I know where he's going with this, but I'm still going to engage because you know what? God's word does not return void. And I want to see where he's going to, what he's going to reveal in me today through this. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll probably get a lot more out of it than if you just tell yourself, this is boring. I've heard this before. I'm not interested. Yeah. 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 It's not about just, am I learning something new? Worship is ascribing worth to God. We're trying to please him. So with music, one thing I ask myself is, am I doing my best to please God right now, Mm. singing this Mm. song? Mm. That's when I'm on my A game. With sermons... There are times of the year where I want to hear that Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. I do not want to hear about Moses or Daniel or anybody else. Right. I want to hear about Jesus. And it's not like I've never heard that he rose from the dead. <laughs> At Christmas time, I want to hear that he was born in Bethlehem, that he's the incarnate God. And I think we're all disappointed on those two days if, if we don't hear that. Yeah. Is that feeling of things getting wrote normal? If your Bible reading is getting wrote, if church services are getting wrote, if your small group feels like you're, you know, stuck in a rut, uh, especially if it feels like it's just you, right? Especially if it feels like, you know, everybody else is kind of going along like normal, but I'm, you know, really uninspired by this or I, I feels like work. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely normal in that I think it's, it's common. It happens a lot, mm. or it will happen to most people yeah. at various points. I think it's an opportunity to look inward and say, well, why is this happening? Mm. I think it's easy to get critical mm. of like, well, the worship mm-hmm. didn't engage with me or I didn't, didn't engage with it or the sermon didn't speak to me and no one said hi to me. And, and it really comes back to why are we at church? Is it for us? 
mm-hmm. for our own benefit or are we here for God and for his people? Yeah. There's a book by Craig Groeschel called It. It's hard to identify it oftentimes. You can say that's the it couple or that's the it girl. And then it came to church. With Craig Groeschel's church was growing very rapidly. It became the it church. And then it disappeared. Hmm. And he thought, what's going wrong? And they would have multiple campuses. And he said, the amazing thing is the campus I was at preaching live was not doing as well as the campus that had the video screen up and was getting it a little bit secondhand. That church was just like on fire. And so it became extremely difficult to pin down. You know, mm-hmm. why is this happening? It's the same service. It's the same preacher. It's the same sermon. And it's happening over here, and it's not happening there. But we, we see that even within our church, that it can be one person is just dying of boredom, and the person next to them is getting saved mm-hmm. or has tears in their eyes. You think, wow, this, this is amazing how the Holy Spirit really works with one person and the other person, just nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts on any number of topics that we've covered. I would have liked to have been there when Peter preached the sermon after Pentecost and 2,000 oh, yes. people got saved. And like, yeah. just that's happening on like a huge scale. Yes. Throwing <laughs> water bottles around on accident. Yeah. Dan knocked over a water bottle and it righted itself somehow. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> yeah. Do it again. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week. We don't have a sponsor. It's by oh. the... Topic of the week this week is brought to you by Boomerang Class. By Boomerang Class, sponsored by Bill Calvin himself. Bill, take it away. The Boomerang Class starts this Sunday, ten thirty, in the Coffee House. Mm. It's all about having an atmosphere of warmth and being inviting. It also will deal with people's personal desires to be a little more charismatic, somebody who people are attracted to. Mm. So I hope you'll come. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, thank you, Bill. Also, the Young Adults Bible Study. Hooray. Scott. The Young Adults Bible Study. If you're young, but not too young, <laughs> and you're an adult. <laughs> and, and not too old. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Young Adults Bible Study, a meeting tonight in the coffee house. Um, <laughs> but not too young. This is a little eight-year-old kid getting turned away. <laughs> um. Yeah, we meet in the coffee house at 7 on Wednesdays. Uh, we've got a great time. It's a really, really good group of people. Mm. We usually have somewhere between 20 and 30 uh, these days, which is awesome. We break into small groups. We talk about the Bible, and yeah. we have fun together. And then every other week we have some kind of event. This week our event is a little bit more spiritually minded. Our last event was mini golfing, and this week we're having a prayer night. It's <laughs> going to be on Friday from 7 to 8.30, probably in the Common Grounds, but I haven't reserved it yet. And we're going to be praying largely for uh, the teenagers who will be having coffee house uh, concurrently at that mm. time. Mm. Um, and there will be snacks. So Ooh. if you're young, but not too young, <laughs> we want you there. Get in there. <laughs> Dan, you got anything to plug? Um, let's see. 
Well, we're going to be starting a new series in our young our young families. It was a young adult. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> new series starting in August called Guardrails. Ooh. About, a lot of times we don't realize how important guardrails are until we run into them with a the car and they protect us from Ooh. falling over a giant ledge. And so making mm. sure that we set up good guardrails in our spiritual lives and moral lives. So cool. that's starting August 15th. So I hope you'll come join us. Can you give us a sneak peek as to what one guardrail is? No. You have to come. Have you prepped that for it? (laughs) I haven't watched the whole series. (laughs) Wow. Well, for Topic of the Week, this one is called It's a Matter of the Heart. So it's setting boundaries for your heart and relationships. Ooh. Is it like boundaries in like different areas of your life? Like boundaries for your heart one week and like boundaries for your foot the other week? (laughs) I didn't have any more ideas, but is that kind of the way way it's structured? (laughs) Um, Without the foot part? Is yeah, pretty essentially, yeah. Cool. What, Fi- like finances is a part of it. <laughs> what is a good boundary of the heart when it comes to relationships? Well, one thing that I can think of is especially with people who it wouldn't really apply to the young families class because most of them are married, yeah. a large chunk, but especially in younger people who are pursuing relationships is to, you know, not go after someone thinking, I'm gonna go ahead and save them mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and turn this into something really cool, mm-hmm. which yeah, you know, has happened to people I've known and it's worked out well, but I wouldn't say it's prescriptive of everyone. Yeah. Um, but to really try your best to, as you kind of look out there and see who do I want to end up with, really make that person be a Christian. Like I want to mm. date a Christian person, mm. um, someone that shares the same faith and same values that I have. Yeah. So you're not setting yourself up for major heartache and problems thinking I'm going to, I'm going to be the cause of this person getting saved and then. I've seen that work out in divorce way more times than it has the other way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bill, how do you set boundaries of your of your heart and relationships? You obviously are mm-hmm. our go-to guy when it comes to boundaries of all kinds. <laughs> and the issues of the heart. <laughs> and issues of the heart of all kinds. I I really think setting the boundaries begins with your mind, you're taking every mm. thought captive to Christ. Mm. Yeah. yeah, having your mind filled with the things Philippians four eight speaks of: whatever mm. is good, whatever is noble, whatever is true, yeah. whatever is praiseworthy. To fight your battles against sin at the mind level, instead of letting it get all the way to the hands-on active level. Mm. So that has a lot to do with your heart. Your your mind can protect your heart from having to deal with real difficult stuff. Hmm. So that's what comes to my mind when you bring up that question. Yeah. Scott? Um, Specifically in relationships, I think this is, this is related to what Dan said, uh, I think, but um, it's not, actually it's related to what both Dan and Bill said. Um, not allowing yourself to treat a relationship as like the end all of your mm. life, mm. Uh, understanding that whatever the relationship is, whether it's romantic or, or a friend or a family member, um, that they're a sinful person, that they're going to fail, they're going to let you down, they're probably going to hurt you either in a big way or a small way at some point, and um, and that's, I mean, it's not okay because it's a result of sin, but you know that's that's not that shouldn't kind of cause your whole world to crumble because mm. this, you know, this person is not Jesus. They're not God. They're not infallible. Yeah. Um, but just relying on, you know, knowing that your relationship with Jesus is secure and where you find your mm. security and identity and, mm. 
Um, yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. Because I know in my past years back, I struggled with, like, why does this person want to be my friend? Or I focused so much on that. Mm. I missed other things that were opportunities right in front of me. Yeah. Friendships or relationships. Mm. It reminds me of what Tim Keller says in Every Good Endeavor. Naturally. Naturally. We reference him in every episode. We reference him, every, we reference him last week and we you weren't to, even here. We have to, oh, we do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he talks about how God provides for people, right? When you know, he provides food for us through uh, farmers, even farmers who don't know him. Scott has built a lovely little totem uh, out of water bottles and the Would You Rather cards. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really pleased that it balanced so easily. Um, but uh, in that same way, like remembering that all of the the money that we have, the the places that we live, the skills that we have, the transportation, the any comforts and relationships are all given to us by God mm. um, for His glory. Ultimately, we're just stewards. We're just stewards, right? He Steward, gives them to steward, us. Steward we're just steward and Rebecca's. Um, each of us. We should be so lucky. We should. I want to be a Rebecca. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> sorry, Stuart. Uh, and so, in the same way, like relationships are that right? They're ultimately um, to glorify God, and and God can speak to us through friendships, through romantic relationships, through um, you know all kinds of of relationships, and uh, and when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, um, even you know it's like. It's like idolizing money. It's like idolizing your job. It's like idolizing, you know, sex. It's like idolizing anything, a person, right? Bronze a bronze serpent that Moses made. A bronze serpent that Moses made. You know, all of that is ultimately taking a gift of God and turning it into a God. Um, so I think that's a really good, good word because, you know, relationships with other people are so reminiscent of and, and reflections of our relationship with God that I think it is very easy to like make them God because you're here, you're physical. I can see you. I can serve you. You can, you know, I can have all of these things. Especially if a relationship is meeting a need for you, like an emotional need. Yeah. And that becomes like, yep. Really of utmost importance to you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it can, and if it's not there and all of a sudden that's gone, like, yeah, man, I think we've asked this question quite a bit, but, and I don't know if there's a satisfactory answer. Maybe it's just the kind of thing that you have to like grow in your faith into. But it is so easy to put your stock in a person, mm. right? Emotionally and mentally and, you know, physically. When we know we're supposed to put our stock in in Jesus Christ, we know we're supposed to put our stock in God. Um, but for me, uh, I would say my heart's eyes glaze over a little bit when we say put your your stock in God. I'm like, well, how do I even, what does that even mean? It just means like, yeah, generally have faith and things will work out and you'll feel okay. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with a person, I'm like, ah, I know how to, you know, emotionally attach to you and, and you know, make you a, a god, um, you know, make my relationship with you an idol. Um, so once again, I'm, I'm going to ask, uh, you know, how can we have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? How can we have a, a real meaningful relationship where we put our stock in him? What can that look like? What's a step I can take today yeah. if I'm listening? I think that's an excellent question. One thing I've been thinking a lot about is the idea of listening. Hmm. Because I think 
we can easily, any of us, and I'm certainly guilty of it, approach prayer and uh, relationship with Christ, throwing up a lot of, not throwing up, <laughs> a lot of prayer requests and needs, hmm. uh, it, like legitimate needs that we have. But sometimes I feel like it's almost as if I or us just kind of like walk away. Be like talking to you, Max, things are really hard right now. Can you help me with this? And then just leave. Hmm. We wouldn't do that to a real person. <laughs> We'd be like, it would be more of a give and take. And so I've been really challenged in hmm. my life the last year or so, but specifically like in the last month more so, to actually just stop and listen. Hmm. Take time to listen to what he wants to say to me instead of me just doing all the yapping. What do you mean listen? To just say, Lord, I've got, I'm bringing this issue before you that it's got, I've got going on in my life. What do you want to say about it? What do you want me to do about it? And then just stop talking and just mm-hmm. be quiet <laughs> <laughs> and just listen and just spend like, like Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Sometimes it's easy to be a Martha, which has got a, a lot of good stuff to it too. But sometimes you need to be a Mary and just sit at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, like speak, your servant is listening. Like Samuel said, mm. like, what do you want to say about this? I'm trying to make more time for that. I find when I'm really out there in faith, trusting God for something, truly in over my head with something, mm-hmm. that's when praying to Jesus becomes very real. And it's, mm-hmm. It is a relationship, and you begin to value him more and more because... For one, he's probably the only one that can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So you keep coming to him for provision or for healing, for wisdom, for a word of knowledge. But you really have to be out there on faith. It can't be, well, he's really my plan B. I've got this other mm-hmm. thing. I've got it figured out. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. But I'll just be nice to him and let him <laughs> in on it. No, no, no. That's the wrong way altogether. You put him first. Let him call the agenda. So that's that's when praying or being around Jesus is. You, you see him as a person. It's very mm. personal. Yeah. I think one of the ways that's been really helpful to me has been just being as honest as possible in prayer. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, uh, I think we talk about this sometimes, I'm not trying to have like a really eloquent churchy prayer. Just like, oh, Father, I don't even know. Like, who take, dwells in the, who dwells in the heaven laces? Um, <laughs> but even just to start off a prayer by just saying like, God, like, I'm so sad about this thing, right? God, I'm so lonely. Like, I know you hear me and I thank you that you hear me and you know how I feel, but like, this is how I feel. Would you comfort me? Um, or even something as simple as like, God, I know that you want something for me and you're trying to speak to me. Would you let me see you? Um, and like Dan said, listening and, and sort of letting the Holy spirit in you, you know, as you sit in silence and try not to let your mind jump to, Oh, what could God be saying right now? Could he be saying this and this and this, but letting the spirit just kind of expand in your chest and, Mm -hmm. um, and wait to, to feel it. Cause it is, you know, the advocate, the Holy spirit is the spirit of, of comfort and conviction. Um, and so when we bring things to God and we're super honest about how we feel, you know, God talked to, to Moses as though he was a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
And he didn't have the Holy Spirit. No. Um, is that accurate? No. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit came upon people at certain times, mm-hmm. in certain places, mm. to do certain tasks. Moses, because he was just so far out there having to live by faith, I, I think he was probably filled with the Holy Spirit that whole 40 years. Mm. Mm. That, that was a yeah. big undertaking to yeah. lead the Israelites through the wilderness. Now, was the Holy Spirit available to lay people, like to, to random Israelites the way it is to us? Well, yes and no. There were people who were prophesying, and mm-hmm. I remember Joshua coming to Moses and saying, these people are prophesying. Do you want me to make them stop? He said, no, mm-hmm. I wish everybody would do this. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think you had to have a position before God's Holy Spirit came on you, but it wasn't like what happened from Pentecost on, where Mm. it's as simple as just ask him, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. It just doesn't seem like there was any of that going on. Yeah. One of my favorite ones is when God filled Saul with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Saul was trying to, it was up to some kind of mischief with David, and then he couldn't, he was so overcome with the Holy Spirit, he couldn't uh-huh. like move or walk. <laughs> yeah. God, sense of humor. He's <laughs> prophesying and just thinking, Saul is such a dirtbag. Why does he get to do this? Mm-hmm. I suppose it was God just trying to save the situation. I'm yeah, going to do this, hmm. even though Saul's not deserving. Man, yeah. man, Saul's a problematic character. He really is. He is. Well, I learned something about the Holy Spirit today. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> and I'm glad You're I asked. You're welcome. I'm glad I asked. If I say something that's not true, I need you to slam your hand down on the table because we don't want to mislead people just because I didn't go to seminary. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I didn't get that in seminary. My seminary, I think, was allergic to the Holy Spirit. They just oh. did not talk about him. Did you go to a Presbyterian cemetery? <laughs> Went to Trinity. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is so awkward, you know. <laughs> Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> just, like, just really don't want to deal with it. Mm. Uh, Scott, any any thoughts on making God putting your stock in Him in like a real real sense? How to do that today, practically? I think it probably varies from person to person to some extent. Like there are some unacceptable, (laughs) sorry. Um, Because like, I I think something that I've learned about myself as I've gotten older and more mature in my faith is just for me personally, the value of like intellectual stimulation, like my top strength, at least when I was 18 and took the strengths finder thing for the first time is intellection. My Myers-Briggs thing is a T. So like reading theology and like, and just digging, that just really works for me. Mm. Um, like it, it's getting to my heart through my head. Um, and so like, for example, uh, I had been reading through the epistles, uh, in my daily quiet time and, and I got to revelation. And as we've talked about in the podcast before, I don't remember when I finished the second read through, but in the last year I read through the Bible in 90 days, twice, roughly 90 days. And so I'm like, I just read revelation twice. Um, I do want to read it again, but I don't want to just like read through it again. So I decided I was going to read through 
the entirety of the Matthew Henry commentary on Revelation, which has been amazing. And I'm just getting so much out of it because I'm just reading, I read the scripture and then I read what he says about it. And, um, and I don't know that he's right a hundred percent of the time. He's probably not, but, um, it just, it gets me thinking and that really works for me. Um, and you can buy that commentary for dirt cheap. Can you? Yes, it's not very expensive. Ooh. Nice. Um, so, listeners, you can grab it. Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> I think it's, it's you know, a kind of a matter of knowing yourself, knowing, like, what is going to really, like, engage your heart, which, ironically, in my case, is engaging my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doing something about it. Like, not that our faith is, like, contingent on our works and our effort, because it's not, but I think if you're not experiencing a relationship with God and you don't change anything probably nothing's going to change. Yeah. Um, like I think, mm-hmm. you know, God wants you to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it is a relationship like Dan was getting at. And, and like when it comes to like, if you like with a friend or a family member, if you're like, man, I really wish my relationship was better with this person. Oh, well, <laughs> like it's never going to get any better. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have to, which we all out. have people like that in our lives. Right. Especially when that person is like calling you every day and you just don't pick up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. That's what, that's sorry what, about that. That's what God is doing. You know, he's, he's calling you every day. Return my call? No, and you <laughs> that's, guys, not, that's a joke. You got to pick up the phone or the relationship's never going to be better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Max I don't answer my call. want to buy knives from you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that is all the time that we have this week. Um, we don't have a closing segment, but instead I suppose we should explain that uh, next week we will not have a podcast because I'll be out of town. Dan will be, will be traveling. traveling. Scott will be out of town. I'll be out of town. Bill be roaring drunk. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so maybe, so maybe we will have a podcast. <laughs> that's, that's what Dr. McCausey said one day. He was a really good professor at Trinity. <laughs> He's walking out on a Friday and he just says, well, it's time to go get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't mean a, a word. That's what made it so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink. So well, you got to end a service like that, I guess. Drunk on the spirit. Drunk on the spirit. Uh, All right. Cool. Um, but that is... Oh, listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions and would-you-rathers and trivia quizzes and your grandkids to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. (laughs) Scott, I had to check my notes. What do you want from me? Scott, (laughs) take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. (laughs) 